Welcome to American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. Hi, everybody. Happy Labor Day. All right. I'll tell you what. I wasn't planning on doing an episode today, but I am recording right now, and as soon as I'm done, I'm going to upload this immediately. So, again, you can give this a listen if you're interested, move it around, do whatever you'd like, but there's so much going on that I did want to jump in here and, and mention a number of different things that are taking place. And I think it's going to set us up nicely for uh, my talk with Dr. Robin McCutcheon, which again, when we're done with that conversation, I will immediately upload that on Tuesday, and then I'll be back for Friday's episode. Uh, Here's where I want to start. And she sent me this, which is rather interesting, and I completely agree. And this, is, of course, is something that's consistently taking place, and there's been endless examples that this is actually happening. But There was a post here on Great Awakening from a little while ago, yesterday as a matter of fact, and it was a a nice little breakdown of, again, how the continuity of government is certainly well in place. There's ample evidence to prove that this is the case, and one one of the other proofs that this is happening, and certainly happening with some regularity, is that when you, when basically you hear Donald Trump speak, and he's giving those quick video, whatever you want to call them, monologues or or whatever, messages, I I suppose you could call them, Uh, you know, standing in front of of the Cornwallis painting. What's interesting is is what specifically he is saying regarding the very specific topics that he brings up most recently, of course, and I'll play two audios a little bit later regarding education, but just off the top here, he brought up Rupert Murdoch, who, of course, he and his family have owned Fox News for a very long time. He wouldn't be doing that and going after Rupert Murdoch the way that he is if the strings weren't cut or, at the very least, Rupert Murdoch was now on the hook for something. And basically, he's been caught. Uh, he's criticized Fox News, of course. He, he started it off a long, long time ago with, with calling it fake news, and he's 100% right. And, of course, that's been the media the entire time that it's existed. But the progression with which he has gone after people and finally arrives at basically the ability or a conclusion to go after someone is certainly on purpose. And that actually leads me to this next article, which Robin sent me, and it's from Burning Bright on Substack, and they titled it Overton's Goalpost. And, uh, and the subtitle is Retreat is Defeat in the Mind War. And again, I I don't want to summarize it too much, although I'm sure Robin will bring it up also, but there's a very interesting point, I should say, that that is certainly made within this article, and it has to do with taking whatever story exists or whatever real allegation or real criminality that has existed with an individual or an entity, and what you will see the media do is they will immediately deny it. And then as more information comes out, they will diminish what it is that is coming out and basically downplay it as much as they can. Then they will qualify it, again, in an effort to basically say, well, should we talk about this or shouldn't we? What do we do? Are there more important things to talk about? But this is happening, so what is it that we're supposed to be doing? And then distracting people from it and saying, well, yes, this is happening, but look over here, this is also happening. And then ultimately, they end up admitting that, yes, in fact, this is the problem. These are the bad people. They have actually, in fact, done this. And the consistent reference that they make throughout the article, of course, has to do with Joe Biden and his son. 
and all of their illegality. Dating back a very long time, again, it was immediately denied by the media, therefore it was denied by endless people. Then they diminished the story, then they tried to qualify it, then they tried to distract people from it, now they're admitting it. I think it's the exact same thing with uh, Rupert Murdoch and Donald Trump, of course, and the comments that he's making about Rupert Murdoch and, and the media. Because let's face it, the media was in on the steal in 2020. That was, that was flat out moving the Overton goalpost, as Burning Bright essentially says. We all saw it. Again, they called Arizona, and then we know how the rest of the story goes from there. And that's never happened before. And of course, they were turning people away, and people thought, well, I don't have to vote because they've already called Arizona, when in fact they didn't. But even that happening as fast as it did proved that Fox News was in on it. And of course, all the other media chains were in on it too because we were watching those votes change with such regularity and so quickly. The point is, is that there is a continuity of government. He wouldn't be saying, and by he, I mean Donald Trump, wouldn't be saying what he's saying if he didn't have the goods on these people. And I've brought this up before, but that right there is the one question and the one thing that no one ever says regarding Donald Trump, which is when they ask him about the stolen election or anything that's occurred, they just assume that, yes, he was president of the United States, but there's no way that he would ever know what was actually happening. That's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. Again, on election night, he was in a skiff. He saw the thing being stolen. He knew that they were going to steal it. He said it with his tweets. It was said in Q posts constantly. None of that's new. But my point is, again, here is that anytime that he's bringing up a very specified subject, it's because he knows way more about what's really going on than most people know. Again, he's, he's still the commander-in-chief. He's still in charge of the military, certainly the good fractions of the military, while other aspects of the military are just existing because they have to keep up the optics. What's also interesting, I think, of course, as the war just continues, is that even websites like the Gateway Pundit, you know, and I know that I read plenty of stories from them, but they're not the ones that are actually finding a lot of this information. It's people like us that are finding this, and then we put it out on our social media platforms, and then they pick up on it. And I mean, I've read particular stories from their website, or I should say seen particular stories on their website that are weeks old. And I'll say to myself, well, you know, that was on Gab. Well, we found that on Gab, or I saw that on Telegram three weeks ago, but now Gateway Pundit's reporting on it like it's brand new. See, we are the media. There's no doubt about it. We are in charge of what's actually happening. Again, everybody has a camera in their pocket now. Everybody's got a cell phone. And uh, there's just too much information out there. And so the enemy really can't escape, which is a great, great thing. So there you go. Okay. Just wanted to mention that very quickly. There was also this. I got this from our business insider. Uh, another little update, rather terrible. This again has to do with uh, Michigan and apparently poisoning of the water, it seems. And there's certainly a video that goes along with this from Wall Street Apes on Twitter. But here's what uh, the email said. They said, this past Friday, I received a letter from Michigan government at my home and work. Apparently, our water is now suddenly so contaminated that there's no longer a boil water advisory. Now they are saying that boiling won't remove the toxins and, in fact, will make them worse. The government is now saying that the only option is bottle, bottled water or filter. I have reverse osmosis at my home and a Berkey at work, but still it's one of the more, it's one more chaos, basically, to add to the list of ever-evolving chaos. 
How effed up is it that we are surrounded by fresh water, water which the state secretly sells to bottled water companies, yet the water coming into our home and businesses is literally poison? And they said, yeah, I know it was poisoned with fluoride and other chemicals prior to now, but now it's extra, extra poisoned to the point where washing dishes is having super toxic water absorbed through your skin, not to mention bathing. They said the letter said that the government is offering free water testing on three specific days. So bring a sample and they will tell you just how poisoned it is. There is no cost reimbursement for being forced to purchase bottled or by reverse osmosis or purchasing endless filters. They said, I'm not sure if the info above applies to the entire state or just my city. And then, of course, there's uh, this post from Wall Street Apes where it shows a truck in Grand Rapids, Michigan, in the Grand River, dumping something right into the river. So again, I, they didn't know when, when the video was taken, but uh, I put that up on my gab, and you can check that out if you're interested. It is, uh, it's not good. Not good at all. Okay, a lot of education stuff to get to here, and then some jab-related things, and then I'm going to do my best to wrap up. I, I know this is uh, impromptu, so my apologies if it's a little scatterbrained. There's this post first again. You know, Donald Trump was laying out what he basically called his 10-point plan for education going forward. Uh, I'm going to play that audio right now, and I'm going to tell you it's not necessarily new. His plan is basically just sort of, I would say, general political rhetoric for the most part. And, and it's, I mean, it's good, but as you've heard me say, you can't save these schools. This entire apparatus has to crumble, which actually is going to lead me to the next audio because that right there is going to be the straw that breaks the camel's back. But let me play this first. And again, this is his 10 point plan for education. So give this a listen in three, two, one. The United States spends more money on education than any other country in the world. And yet, we get the worst outcomes. We're at the bottom of every list. In total, American society pours more than a trillion dollars a year into public education systems. But instead of being at the top of the list, we are literally right smack, guess what, at the bottom. Rather than indoctrinating young people with inappropriate racial, sexual, and political material, which is what we're doing now, our schools must be totally refocused to prepare our children to succeed in the world of work, life, and the world of keeping our country strong so they can grow up to be happy, prosperous, and independent citizens. We owe our children great schools that lead to great jobs and leads to an even greater country than we're living in right now. Right now, we're living in a failing nation because of Joe Biden and these people running it. They're Marxists, they're communists. What they're doing to our country is incredible, but we'll take care of that for our children. Here are 10 key ideas that will power our movement for great schools. First, we will respect the right of parents to control the education of their children. Second, we will empower parents and local school board to hire and reward great principals and teachers, and also to fire the poor ones, the one whose performance is unsatisfactory, they will be fired. Like on The Apprentice, you're fired. Third, we will ensure our classrooms are focused, not on political indoctrination, but on teaching the knowledge and skills needed to succeed. Reading, writing, math, science, 
arithmetic, and other truly useful subjects. Fourth, we will teach students to love their country, not to hate their country like they're taught right now. Fifth, we will support bringing back prayer to our schools. Sixth, we will achieve schools that are safe, secure, and drug-free with immediate expulsion for any student who harms a teacher or another student. Seventh, we will give all parents the right to choose another school for their children if they want school, school choice. Eighth, we will ensure students have access to project-based learning experiences inside the classroom to help train them for meaningful work outside the classroom. Ninth, we will strive to give all students access to internships and work experiences that can set them on a path to their first job. They're going to be very, very successful. I want them to be more successful than Trump. Let them go out and be more successful. I will be the happiest person in the world. But we want our children to have a great life and be successful. And tenth, we will ensure that all schools provide excellent jobs and career counseling so that high school and college students can get a head start on jobs and careers best suited to their God-given talents. This is how we will ensure a great education for every American child. And one other thing I'll be doing very early in the administration is closing up the Department of Education in Washington, D.C., and sending all education and education work and needs back to the states. We want them to run the education of our children because they'll do a much better job of it. You can't do worse. We spend more money per pupil by three times than any other nation. And yet we're absolutely at the bottom. We're one of the worst. So you can't do worse. We're going to end education coming out of Washington, D.C. We're going to close it up, all those buildings all over the place. And you have people that in many cases hate our children. We're going to send it all back to the states. Thank you very much. Okay. There's clearly a lot there, and I want to go through it kind of as quickly as I can, but you know that I've been over this subject at length, and I'm not being cynical when I bring up these particular points that he mentioned. I just don't think that everybody has kind of a firm grasp as to what this really means. I'll start off by saying this. You heard me say previously that the Department of Education, of course, is going to cease to exist in the future. There's no doubt about that. Anybody, again, like the Charlie Kirks of the world claiming that it, it just needs to be reformed and changed and whatever else. Now, you, you can do away with it immediately, but what does that do? Well, what it does is, is it's already causing what's already happening now at the state level. My bet is that all 50 states already know that the Department of Education at the federal level is going to cease to exist. They already know this. They're already whispering. They've already been making legislative moves and twists and turns and reshuffling of organizations and people because they know that that's inevitable, which also kind of proves that there's a bit of a continuity of government because some of these people at the state level have to know that Joe Biden's not really in charge. And there, it's quite possible, I should say, that people at the state level are receiving direct directives or direction that basically say, hey, look, we're coming back. We're going to make some of these moves. You'd better get ahead of this right now. And it could be that some states are receiving that information sooner than others. Either way, let me, let me go through, again, some of this, because, again, I'm certain that people at the state level 
While they aren't openly admitting that the Department of Education at the federal level is going to cease to exist, they know it's going to happen, and they're whispering about it. There's a lot of whispering going on taking, taking place, I think. So the first is this. When you move things back to the states, as you've heard me say, that's where the real fight begins. We're looking at 10 years down the road here where you're going to have a very hard time getting rid of the kinds of people that need to be gotten rid of, which again proves his point, I think, further that it, it would help certainly for people like him in the positions that he's in to be a champion for parents and school choice and homeschooling. There's no doubt about that. And having somebody in a position like him say those things, it does matter. And people will listen and people will, again, slowly start to take that advice. They, of course, could take their own advice and do it right now. But, uh, you know, many are not. And they need to be shaken out of, uh, out of their, uh, their brainwashing a little bit. But either way, that's, that's a good thing. But the hiring and firing of individuals is going to be a tough, uh, a tough nut to crack. You, you, can't, you can't do that overnight, ultimately and legally. That rests with the school board, but more importantly, not even the school board, it's the building administrators and human resources. These people are all whack jobs in almost all of these school districts. They're the ones that are responsible for hiring and firing people. And as we know, they've been hiring like-minded individuals because, again, that's the business model. Get people in the same building who aren't going to cause you trouble, but if they agree with you, politically speaking, then they're not going to cause you trouble so you think as the person who's doing the hiring. This is, this is a very difficult thing. And again, it's not, uh, you know, it's not like, well, it's like The Apprentice where I just said you're fired. No, it's, it doesn't work that way. It really doesn't work that way. It's far harder to get rid of someone who is uh, you know, basically someone who has been hired by a left-wing nut job, and then you're asking those very individuals to do what? Stop hiring those people? Again, they're not going to hire any kind of a conservative who tells the truth and encourages their students to think. This is not the environment. So I personally believe this. I think that he's saying some of these things, Donald Trump is, because he knows that in the future, long term, that homeschooling is going to be the vast majority of what goes on in America. It's going to have to be that way because it's those individuals within the homeschooling environments that can essentially do everything that he's already suggesting. Again, he talked about indoctrination. We're going to make sure that they're learning appropriate things in the classroom and not indoctrinating our students. That's impossible. It's impossible because all of the curriculum that is taught at the K-12 level is indoctrination. It's false. False history, false science. They don't know the ground they walk on. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's a thousand things. So that's an impossible task also, unless, of course, you're homeschooling and, and learning freely on your own. The next thing, uh, again, safe, safe and healthy schools free of drugs and free of violence. Good luck with that. Good luck with that. Um, again, I, I mean it. Good luck, but that's not going to happen. And, you know, there aren't, there aren't incentives that can cause you to expel a student because, again, it's too wrapped up in state policy. It's too wrapped up in district policy. And these individuals, again, at the local level make policy. They don't make law, but if it's already on the books, for example, that a violent student has the opportunity to return to a school, in particular, if they are categorized as special education, 
and it's a quote-unquote manifestation of their disability, then that kid's going to come back. Doesn't matter how many drugs they've bought, doesn't matter how many teachers they've kicked in the shin, uh, thrown desks, it doesn't matter. Those students will ultimately make their way back eventually. Yeah, they might go to juvenile detention. Yeah, they might go to an alternative school, but the district will not get rid of them. Um, again, he was talking about school choice and being uh, you know, parental advocates for school choice. That's great. Uh, let's see, work ready and work experience and, and the jobs and the career counseling stuff. This is interesting too, because unfortunately, in the state of Kentucky, as Vanessa Hurst has even brought up, you're training kindergarten children to basically choose a path that they want to take. Do you want to be college-bound or do you want to be work-bound? Well, no five-year-old is going to know the answer to that question, and neither are their parents necessarily. I mean, living a life is, is part of what comes with figuring out what it is that you want to do for a living. Personal experiences, things that you observe, read about, whatever. Again, familial ties, a number of different things. but. This work-ready, work-experience, again, jobs and career counseling stuff can be remarkably detrimental. And it is, again, in Kentucky, in the school district where Vanessa Hurst was sending her kids, she was, again, in previous episodes, she was mentioning numerous examples, again, well over a year and a half, two years ago, about how students couldn't read, certainly not fluently, but they were spending more time working at the local McDonald's as a high school student than they were actually spending time in school learning how to read and write because they were a part of the work-ready program. So they they gain this quote-unquote work experience by working at a McDonald's, but again, they're illiterate. But at least they graduate. So they graduate illiterate, but they're graduating with work experience. This is not a good idea. It's just not. And again, there's a big difference between working at a McDonald's and, of course, learning a trade. Those are, those are, those are separate. And I'm not knocking people that work at McDonald's. That's not what I'm doing. They make plenty of money also. My point is, is that it's not an environment for a middle school or a high school student and they certainly shouldn't be there if they can't read. And we certainly shouldn't be graduating people who are illiterate, but hey, look, don't worry, they're employed. Not to mention, what, you know, wh- where do you go in the McDonald's fast food chain uh, business? I mean, where do you typically go? You might become a store manager at the most, but ultimately you're going to have to end up leaving. And then the only work experience you have is, what, working in McDonald's and you still can't read. So the entire thing is a mess, is my whole point. And I don't think that any one state is going to get it correct, because the last thing that needs to be happening is is we need to be indoctrinating five-year-olds to pick a career path. This is a colossal mistake. Um, And then again, he ends with talking about the Department of Education and how it needs to cease to exist. I agree with him. It's not going to be around long. And again, If I was a betting man, I would certainly say that there are numerous whispers about it at the state level, and plenty of people at the state level already know that it's happening. Again, go back and listen to a previous episode where I was talking about the Department of Education and Workforce at the Ohio Department of Education, which again, no longer exists. And they even say, again, by uh, January of 2025, everything will be in place the way that they want it to be in place. and 
it's just going to it's going to be chaotic because again they're they're creating more positions in government they're creating more committees they're creating more departments and unfortunately in the state of Ohio they're turning that into mental institutions they're basically creating more mental health counseling for children and we're going to work closer with CPS to make sure that everybody gets what they need and we're going to continue to drive a wedge between the parent and the child this is this is not good but Again, I, I personally believe that homeschooling is the only way forward here because you have to be as far away from government as humanly possible. That leads me to this now. And again, this is something that I haven't heard Donald Trump speak of, certainly not in recent time, but he's actually advocating for homeschooling families specifically regarding the tax money. And again, right now, as it stands, based on Supreme Court rulings, that charter schools and private Catholic schools or uh, private religious schools of any kind, those families can take the tax money that was going to the public school system and they can keep it for themselves to apply to those kinds of schools. What they can't do right now is apply it to homeschooling. But ladies and gentlemen, when that time comes, and it will, that's the straw that breaks the camel's back. That's the straw that will destroy the entire thing and bring down the house of cards is because if you have on one end of a scale a family with the option to homeschool and not pay the public school system and keep that tax money for themselves, or on the other side of the scale, you send them back into the meat grinder indoctrination camp that is the public school system, which one of those sides of that scale is going to outweigh the other? And then which side is the parent or the family likely to choose? I, I think I certainly said it sometime. I could have typed it, written it, not sure. But instead of the carrot and the donkey now, you're talking about money in front of the parents and leading them toward homeschooling. Instead of the carrot and the donkey leading the donkey toward the indoctrination camps that are American K-12 schools. doesn't matter if they're public, private, charter. It doesn't matter. Those are going to be on one side, and homeschooling is going to be on the other, uh, and, and that's going to be the future. So give this message a listen. Again, this was him just the other day. It was also uh, He also put this out, um, well, not on Twitter, but on Truth, and then, of course, people were moving it around to Twitter. So give this a listen real quick in three, two, one. As president, it was my honor to support America's homeschool families and to protect the God-given right of every parent to be the steward of their children's education. Since the China virus, America has seen an estimated 30% increase in homeschool enrollment. When I'm reelected, I will do everything I can to support parents who make the courageous choice of homeschool. Under the Trump tax cuts, we allowed families to use 529 education savings accounts to spend up to $10,000 a year tax-free on tuition for grades K through 12. This was a tremendous win for school choice, very important, school choice, remember that term. And yet that benefit did not apply to homeschoolers. So to support the growing homeschool movement in my next term, I will immediately fight to allow homeschool parents the same incredible benefit, $10,000 a year per child, completely tax-free to spend on costs associated with homeschool education. I will also work to ensure that every homeschool family is entitled to full access to the benefits available to non-homeschool students, including participating in athletic programs, clubs, after-school activities, 
educational trips, and more. To every homeschool family, I will be your champion. Do not vote Democrat. They are looking to destroy you. If you don't mind my saying that, Joe Biden can't put two sentences together, and yet he's looking to destroy you. Do not vote Democrat. Do not vote for Crooked Joe. Vote for Honest Donald. Thank you very much. He kind of butchered it there at the end, but you get the point. I, I, I mean, I think you get the point. Uh, he hasn't said that previously. He, he knows. He knows. He knows that the numbers of homeschooling families has dramatically increased over the last three years. He's well aware of that. He's well aware that once individuals go into the homeschooling environment, they never go back to the brick and mortar environment. This number is continuing to grow with every single story, with every single outcome, with every single whatever example of corruption, whatever it may be. Homeschooling is the way forward here. And again, what will be left are brick and mortar buildings that only cater to and for the mentally and the physically handicapped. Those are going to be the one the, the programs that exist because again when when financial when 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 finances get tight in the American K twelve school system they immediately start to destroy all of these periphery programs that they've built up over the years that were never there previously the STEM programs the talented and gifted programs the this and the that they end up doing away with all of those because again in the homeschooling environment all of those titles mean nothing. There's no testing. There's none of that nonsense. You're, you're, you're completely void from government intervention. But he's right when he says, you know, don't vote Democrat, because again, he knows what they want to do. They want to come after the homeschooling environment. Now, I want to do this just very quickly. I want to read a couple of comments that were on my Rumble channel to uh, the, the previous episode, episode 505, where I was talking about the media sensationalism of education and I brought up CPS and child abuse and, of course, some other jab stories also. But there was a particular comment from a listener, and they said the following. They said, I quit the charter school I worked at for a month. Parents complained, and I was elevated to a terrorist, to terrorist status immediately. These people are absurd. Same thing happened to another teacher. A security guard quit. The school is a zoo. And two of the board members resigned in protest. They have no teachers, and the shortage is real. They don't care if they're making interventions or other teachers pick up the slack. The system is collapsing. I made a Telegram channel called Teachers Quitting if you want to check it out. And I just bounced over to Telegram and subscribed to their Telegram channel. Again, Teachers Quitting. Definitely check that out. It's got solid articles, no doubt about it. A lot of, a lot of articles on burnout and all kinds of other related issues, but it's fantastic. So, okay. Thank you for mentioning that, by the way, in the comments section. I really appreciate it. Um, there's also this. This was from our Louisiana educator, and it is from the USMilitaryNews.com. Louisiana school district sues TikTok, Instagram, and parent companies over teen mental health crisis. Good luck with that. Nothing is going to come from this, I don't think. Again, this is the same school environment that, that promoted this kind of technology use and allowed cell phones within students' hands, and look, what, look what's happened. It's completely backfired on everybody. Again, one of the constant themes within education is the lack of parental responsibility. They continuously send their children into these environments, and they have no idea that it's they themselves as the parent that have the ultimate responsibility to keep their kids safe. Again, it doesn't matter what example it is. It could be anything. 
But what they will do again is they'll consistently give their children the technology and they'll consistently send them back into the meat grinder and then they'll act as if it's the school's fault when in fact it's ultimately the parents. But this is, again, this lawsuit would be an example of the school trying to basically claim that they're the victim. They're the victim of all of the things that they themselves have invited into the environment. So beyond ridiculous, but here's another example of, again, completely forfeiting your responsibility. I'm just going to play the audio associated with this. This is uh, DeSoto County in Mississippi, where a bus driver apparently parked the bus for over 40 minutes and wouldn't let the children out of this hot school bus because a child refused to give up their cell phone to the bus driver. So I'm just going to play the audio from the local news affiliate. Give this a listen. Again, completely ridiculous, of course. The bus driver should be fired. and. Unfortunately, every single parent should also, of course, not send their children to this school anymore, let alone ride the bus. But I'm sure what they did the very next day was put them right back on a bus with a different bus driver and head right back to that same school district. Because again, they're not learning. They're not learning that these environments and the people who work within are abusive. So give this a listen very quickly in three, two, one. This is DeSoto County got this woman. This woman has got my child locked on this bus and will not let them off. This Facebook Live by Misty Grubbs shows the moment her fifth grader, Bella, and other Center Hill Elementary School students were on a bus with a driver who did not immediately open the door. Why will she not let him off the bus? I don't know. Throughout the four-minute video, you can see kids begin to be pulled off the bus through windows, crying, screaming, and looking for their parents. Hold on, calm down, baby. Where's your mama? Today, Grubbs says she dropped Bella off at school. Her family and many others left with unanswered questions. Why did the bus sit there for 40 minutes with children on it as hot as it is? Grubb says her daughter told her the driver pulled over and refused to drive after a student refused to hand over a phone. You just want your kids to be safe. Anna Marie Tyler's kindergarten and second grader were also on the bus and were supposed to be dropped off here in front of the neighborhood. They were celebrating raising money for the school yesterday and got to wear pajamas, so they were on that hot bus in their police pajamas. In a statement to News Channel 3, DeSoto County Schools says the bus driver is now on administrative leave and she was a substitute driver, so now a new driver has been assigned to the route for the rest of the school year. In DeSoto County, Shay Simon, WREG News Channel. I mean, I have plenty of questions with this. <laughs> pretty, it's pretty obvious. But again, why didn't any of the students in the bus just open up the back door? All the students on the bus are trained to open up the back door, but the, you know, bless their hearts. I mean, they're little kids. I'm, I'm not expecting them to to take charge and become a leader in a, in a moment like that. But open up the back door. The buzzer goes off. The alarm goes off, and then uh, you know, start jumping out the back of the bus. But again, it's this kind of an environment that invited cell phones. It's this kind of an environment that invited the technology. Again, the, the bus driver's pulling over because why? A student is using a cell phone maybe inappropriately or, or for some reason. It just doesn't make any sense. And, and, and I'll be honest, you know, it, it brings in it's kind of a jab-related thing here, but, it, well, with with the jab thing aside for a second, we know that school districts are, are really hard-pressed for, for finding bus drivers. And of course, they don't need any qualifications, and in many cases, almost all of them had to be jabbed. But here's a quick little jab question I have for everybody. 
Are you encountering individuals who are jabbed and they're just not making any sense? I mean, they'll, they'll just be talking and then they, they just won't make any sense with what they're saying. It's, it's, it's really as if logic has completely just left their brain. They just have none of it. It, it. There seems to be more and more of this taking place. It's even examples like this. I've seen individuals, again, who, who were previously not jabbed before 2020 and 2021, and they lived on a nice piece of property and you know, they maintained it and everything looked nice. And now all of a sudden they're jabbed and you know they're jabbed and now their their entire yard looks like hell. I mean, it's things like this, you know, that, that there are just people not paying attention to what they're doing, how they're responding, how they're behaving, and then what they're showing people with their actions or their inaction. Again, could be jab related, not sure, but either way, it's abusive without a doubt. Why would you send your children back into that environment, whether it be it's, you know, it's a school bus or not? It's the same school district. It's the same environment. They're the ones that are setting these kinds of things up. And, you know, we issued an apology and they're on it, paid administrative leave and whatever. I mean, they won't have their job anymore. They'll be fired, but they probably won't be because, again, they're hard pressed to find bus drivers. So who knows? Give them another route. Make sure that they don't see those kids or those parents ever again. And then, uh, you know, they don't have to look for another bus driver. They can just move them around the same way that they move teachers around who are ineffective and the same way that they move around administrators who are ineffective. It's just, it's beyond ridiculous. This is not an environment that can be saved. And it's not one that deserves saving. Here's another story from the Gateway Pundit. Parents outraged after teachers union tells educators to destroy evidence of student surveys regarding gender identity. So again, this particular school, I'm just going to play the audio with this too. Again, this is from CBS. It's just nuts. It's absolutely nuts. And again, this is par for the course. A school district getting rid of evidence because they don't like the results. Happens all the time in American K-12 school districts. Again, it's par for the course. So give this a listen. Also, tonight, controversy erupts in Jefferson County over student surveys about gender identity. Good evening, I'm Karen Lee. And I'm Michaelia White. Michael is off tonight. Parents say teachers are breaking state and federal laws, and their union is helping them get away with it. Our Sean Boyd has been investigating. So, Sean, what is the school district saying about this? That it warned teachers not to do these surveys. While the district says it is unclear whether surveys about students' preferred pronouns are illegal, there are several lawsuits regarding the issue, so administrators told teachers just don't go there. The teachers' union told them something else. It told them if they did issue questionnaires regarding preferred pronouns, they should be paper surveys and they should get rid of them after they noted students' answers. Just days before the start of school in Jefferson County, administrators sent this email to all employees, reminding them state and federal law prohibits mandatory surveys that ask kids about protected information. And even voluntary surveys are illegal unless parents can opt out. So when Denise Crawford's son came home with a survey asking about his gender identity, she thought, what gives? Deceived? Lied you? Taking advantage of? She's not alone. Parents with Jeffco Kids First say dozens of teachers have conducted the surveys. And worse still, 
their union advised them to hide evidence of them. An email from Jefferson County Education Association to teachers says, if you do a questionnaire, please make it a paper and pencil activity. Any digital records are more permanent and may be requested under federal law. The leadership actually provided an avenue to get around the law and basically saying it was okay. School board member Susan Miller says the union put teachers' jobs at risk. Those that violate the law can lose their licensure. Crawford says it also put teachers' relationship with parents at risk. And I don't feel I can trust the teachers. She says she's not anti-LGBTQ. Her nephew, she says, is transgender and daughter gay. This is not political. It's just that they're breaking the law. What would you like to see happen? The same thing that would happen to anybody who's breaking the law, accountability and correction. I'd want parents to know the district takes this very seriously. The union says the district has given contradictory directions regarding preferred pronouns. But this slide the district sent teachers is hardly ambiguous. Miller says the union needs to issue a retraction. Uh, Maybe do a corrective that says, hey, you know what? We were wrong. We need to abide by the laws. They're written for a reason. The union not only told teachers to use paper, but to make notations about students' answers and not hold on to the surveys. I spoke to union president Brooke Williams, who wouldn't say why she directed teachers to do that. She claims people are politicizing the issue. In a statement, she said, by allowing students an optional avenue to share their preferred pronouns while maintaining student privacy, we can better ensure that students feel safe, respected, and validated. We encourage and support educators to follow Jeffco's district policy and not reveal students' transgender status to others unless legal required to do so or unless the student has authorized such disclosure. Parents say this isn't about whether the student should be able to share their pronouns or not or outing a transgender person. This is about whether the union told teachers to break the law and hide the evidence. All right, so what did this parent do with this? Did this parent that you spoke with, did they report the survey? They did. They have reported it. They tell me, reported it to the principal, Mm -hmm. reported it to a school board member and haven't heard back from either. All right, stay with us, one, Sean. Yeah. Keep us updated. Thank you. Yeah, keep us updated on that thing that's complete pretend that doesn't matter at all. No one cares. The whole thing is pretend. I wish you could see the parent who was interviewed in this thing, too. She's a whack job. Well, my niece is transgender and my daughter's gay. No, they're not. No, they aren't. They're pretending, and you're allowing them to pretend. And so is your other family member with their child and whatever else. The whole thing is fake. The whole thing is fake. You can't fix that. You can't get rid of that. There's no getting rid of that. There's no getting rid of that level of indoctrination and, and time wasting. I mean, that right there, ladies and gentlemen, is right where my, my mind goes every time I hear of one of these kinds of stories. The amount of time that is being wasted on that subject within school days on a day-in and day-out basis is time when they are not learning about the real world they live in because they're playing pretend name games for things that don't exist, for people for which they are not. Again, you can't fix that. That is, that is so many dimensions deep down brainwashing, I don't even know how deep it is. It's too deep. You can't dig yourself out of that hole.
their mental, their mental patients and their mental institutions. And that right there again continues to prove it. Here's another one. This is from Fox News. Diversity, equity, and inclusion hiring practices in K-12 schools require teachers to show commitment to left-wing ideology, says a watchdog. No kidding. This isn't new. This isn't breaking news. It says dozens of U.S. school districts hire staff based on where they stand politically, education watchdog claims. We know. We know that. They've always done this. If you go back in time, all right, 20 years ago, 20 years, could you imagine a local news affiliate with a story like the one that you just heard about the pronoun and the survey and all that nonsense? Could you even imagine them covering a story like that? No, because it didn't exist. But the simple fact that more and more pretend things exist now and that we're supposed to just be shocked when we find out that these kinds of school districts hire particular kinds of people also, again, regarding this Fox News story. Who is actually surprised about any of this? You can't fix these environments. You can't. Public-private charter, it does not matter. I've said it a million times. I'll keep saying it. You can make these places destitute overnight by just leaving. But this is the Stockholm Syndrome. This is the constant abuse that these parents, children, and endless other people continuously endure, and then they end up supporting it because they can't see a way out. They're, they're too stuck in the matrix. It's awful. Absolutely awful. Here's another one. This is from NBCBoston.com. Uh, Worcester's diocese announces restrictive LGBTQ policy in Catholic schools. It says students at 12 Catholic schools in Worcester, Massachusetts, are required to, quote, to conduct themselves at school in a manner consistent with their biological sex and may not advocate, celebrate, or express same-sex attraction according to a new policy called Catholic Education and the Human Person. Well, that's great. But 20 years ago, this didn't exist. They wouldn't have to come out with a policy like that. I'm glad they have that policy. They're right. Good for them. But again, to have this very thing is absurd. Let me play this audio associated with this story. Give this a listen. It just, it gets worse. It's just hilarious. Catholic school controversy that has one local community talking and talking a lot. New policy from the Worcester Diocese has the potential to significantly impact LGBTQ students in the new school year. Good afternoon, everyone. I'm Colton Bradford. And I'm Priscilla Casper. Any trans student will only be allowed to use pronouns and clothing consistent with their biological gender and expressions of same-sex attraction are prohibited. NBC 10's Jericho Tran joining us live from Worcester with reaction. Jericho. Yeah, a lot of reaction to this. This is currently being rolled out by the Roman Catholic Diocese of Worcester. It'll impact the 21 schools within the diocese. And the main plan here is to solely address students by their biological sex assigned to them at birth. I think it's a good policy. To me, it doesn't seem fair. A 
clash of beliefs after a policy called Catholic Education and the Human Person was approved by Bishop Robert McManus in late June of this year in an effort to unite all schools within the diocese. They issued a policy from this uh, from the diocese to all of the schools to be able to have some consistency. Pulling from canon law and points made by Pope Francis, the policy states that all students are expected to conduct themselves at school in a manner consistent with their biological sex. And it's not citing specific feelings or issues by an individual bishop or an individual person, but really citing and the basis of it all is what the church has been teaching all along. Schools within the diocese will not use pronouns and only consider the biological sex of students when using restrooms, locker rooms, wearing uniform, and participating in sports and dances, raising some questions. If we are treating our children in a way that is different than what they want to be treated, then what are we doing? The diocese currently prohibits the over 5,000 students within their schools from bullying or harassing anyone based on their sexual orientation. Therefore, we're not looking to demonize or, or bully or support anything like that. Some have their doubts. It definitely has a chilling effect on, on children and teens and in their identity. While parents remain divided. You want to keep your privacy private. Where they um, identify with a different gender, that's a hard thing to go through, and that's a hard thing to figure out, and I think that they should be given that freedom. So you can see a lot of mixed opinions there. Uh, we did ask the diocese if there were any schools that did not want to abide by this policy. We're told that there was a letter submitted by some of those high schools uh, to the bishop, but he is expected to address that within the next few weeks. But once again, for now, that policy is set to take place at the beginning of the new school year. That's the very latest in Worcester, Jericho Tran, NBC10 Boston. I loved at the beginning, the old guy they interviewed, he was like, yeah, great policy, good policy. And he's right. He's right. And then what do they do? They go to a woman who's morbidly obese sitting in a lawn chair and she goes, I don't, it just doesn't seem fair. Doesn't seem fair. Kids should be able to be who they want to be. And every single person, too, that they interviewed there who is for it is a pedophile as far as I'm concerned. They're all pedophiles because that's what this is ultimately about. It's ultimately about legalizing the ability of a ch of basically an adult to have sex with a child that's what this is about this entire gay agenda rainbow flag wearing nonsense gender identity this identity that that's the slippery slope in fact i have a piece of audio that summarizes this entire thing it's a piece of audio that summarizes another piece of audio so give this a listen and see if you disagree with this i doubt you will why do the pedophiles care about lesbians, bisexuals, homosexuals, and transgenders? If I am a pedophile, I don't want to go to jail. I'm a celebrity. I'm famous. Ritualistic sex is what we do with kids. It's part of our demonic culture. I want pedophilia to become normal. I want it stricken from the criminal code altogether. I'm going to push LGBTQ because if a child is old enough to decide I never want to have children, take my testicles, take my ovaries. If an 8, 9, 10, 11-year-old child is old enough to make those three decisions, how can you argue that they're not old enough to decide to have sex? 
the argument of the pedophile is going to be backed up by this LGBT crusade against our children because in their sick minds, they are rationalizing the argument before the courts. If he's old enough to say, I don't want my testicles, if she's old enough to say, I never want to have children, if he's old enough to say, I want to live my life as a girl, if she's old enough to say, I want to live a life as a boy and I don't care about having kids and she can say this at 12, is she not also old enough to decide when she's ready to have sex? That is going to be the argument that the pedophiles are going to take into court. LGBTQ is the mask the pedophile movement wears to get their agenda pushed. Yes. Exactly. That's it. That's it. It's that simple. This is the slippery slope. It's always been this way. This is the entire play. This is the entire movement. With that said, you also have, of course, endless individuals getting kicked out of school board meetings for reading from the very textbooks and and library books, I should say that are remarkably sexual in nature and incredibly pornographic, but they're getting kicked out for reading them at the lectern in school board meetings by police and by school board members. But again, these are the books that are in the libraries themselves. This is, this is, one, of those, this is one of those trends that continues to happen and has been happening year after year after year now in school board meetings. So they won't remove the books from the libraries, but they will remove the person who reads from them in a public open forum such as a school board meeting. You can't fix this. You can't fix this environment. They're insane. They've lost their minds. They're all jabbed. They're not thinking clearly. They have no grasp of the word hypocrisy. They're degenerates. How much more, you know, what more needs to be said, really? I mean... It's exhausting, isn't it? It's just getting exhausting and remarkably repetitive, but this is this is the environment. This is it. You can't reform that. You have to abandon that completely and then you have to destroy it. You can't attempt to prop it up any longer. Ridiculous. Okay, moving on. This is from the post millennial. Get a load of this one. This one is again beyond strange because well, the Uvalde shooting didn't happen. This is from, uh, yeah, postmillennial.com. It is titled, Uvalde District Attorney Accused of Cover-Up in Elementary School Massacre. McLaughlin called on Mitchell to resign immediately over her lack of transparency. It says the following. On Tuesday, the city of Uvalde, Texas, filed a lawsuit against District Attorney Christina Mitchell demanding she release information related to last year's mass shooting at Robb Elementary to independent investigator Jesse Prado. Well, first of all, there was no shooting. So what is it that they're going to be releasing? They can't release anything because it didn't happen. So there's all of that. It says Mayor Don McLaughlin accused Mitchell of engaging in a cover-up of the facts following the incident in which gunman Salvador Ramos claimed the lives of two teachers and 19 students. No, he didn't. Ladies and gentlemen, I almost don't even care about this particular story. It just continues to prove that they're doing whatever they have to do to keep this story at the forefront, keeping in mind what's the one thing we have yet to see from Uvalde, Texas? A single dead body and a single drop of blood. Well, those are two things, but you get what I'm saying. We haven't seen any of that. What else haven't we seen, by the way? We haven't seen any 
badge cam footage from inside the so-called classroom. Why is that? Because there's nothing to show. Because no one died. You can get badge cam footage from a street cop shooting somebody because they, you know, have broken the law or they won't follow police directives or whatever it is, or assaults a police officer. You can get that badge cam footage overnight, practically. But you can't get Uvalde officer badge cam footage from inside the classroom where they allegedly broke in and, and shot shot the mass shooter and stepped over bodies and blood, and it was just horrible and it was everywhere. If that's true, then show us the footage. But they can't because it doesn't exist. So again, I don't know if this is a, a, a private investigator, again, basically trying to get that kind of footage, and yet you have a district attorney who isn't turning it over because you can't turn over something that you don't have that doesn't exist. So. I'm not entirely sure. I just know that uh, the entire thing is ridiculous and it didn't happen. But it's just another story again to keep it in the limelight to make sure that people never forget. Hashtag never forget. It's exhausting. Uh, here's another one. Working our way into the jab-related avenue here. This is from KTLA, Los Angeles. Boy dies after collapsing during PE class in Lake. Els Elsinore, if I'm saying that right. This was last Tuesday. Give this a listen. A 12-year-old boy collapses during PE amid sweltering temperatures at his school in Lake Elsinore and later dies after being rushed to a hospital. The devastated parents of Yashua Robinson say they believe their son's death is related to the extreme heat. KTLA's Rachel Minitoff live in the Canyon Hills neighborhood of Lake Elsinore with more on this really tragic story. Rachel? Sandy, Micah, good evening to you both. Tonight, the family of 12-year-old Yashua Robinson shared how appreciative they are for the outpouring of support in the way of condolences, gifts, and financial donations. An online GoFundMe page has already raised more than $23,000 for his funeral expenses. And his parents and three siblings say they're now trying to come to terms with this devastating reality. Tuesday, August 29th, started out as a typical school day for 12-year-old Yashua Robinson. According to his family, he was taking part in PE activities at Canyon Lake Middle School in Canyon Hills when he collapsed and became unresponsive. A tragedy, they believe, was brought about by sweltering heat. They say despite the response from medical professionals, Yashua succumbed to cardiac arrest at the hospital. In a statement given to us, Yashua's family writes, we know that Yashua was loved by many and we appreciate everyone who is helping us to grieve his loss. We are still in shock and disbelief over Yashua's death. He was a bright, talented, and loving child who had a bright future ahead of him. We are struggling to understand why this happened. His sudden death has deeply impacted this Canyon Hills community, Leah Harnden included. So it hits home knowing that a child was dropped off and didn't get to come home to their family. I know that this world is so crazy and we worry about our kids at school and for something this tragic like this to happen, it's a devastating. I cried. I absolutely cried because it's just, it's not right. Leah's daughter, Casey, is a fifth grader at the elementary school right next door. She says the mood in class has been a somber, sad one. 
people have been seeing counselor because it's just like it's running through their brain. It's like hard to just like take in and everything. Dr. Brandon Turner, a family and sports medicine physician at Kaiser Permanente, says in Southern California, we really haven't been accustomed to such a high heat index until now. I think there are all these weather events that are new for us. So we kind of have to create the processes for them so that we can, you know, keep each other safe and in particular keep kids safe. He says we generally think of older people as most vulnerable to heat, but kids have risk factors too. Kids have a ton of reserve. So sometimes kids can look completely fine and then all of a sudden, like that, they're not feeling well. The Lake Elsinore School District tells us it has mental health counselors on hand for students and staff. Meanwhile, Yashua's family writes online that they're now waiting for the results of his autopsy. That's the very latest from Canyon Hills. I'm Rachel Menatoff. I'll send it back inside to both of you. Can you, uh, do you see what I'm saying? You can't fix this. You can't fix these people. They're too far gone. They're too brainwashed. The mother actually had the audacity to say, quote, we worry about our kids at school. We worry about our kids at school. Then why in God's name are you sending them? Number one, the kid was jabbed. Number two, they're striking this up to climate change. Number three, they openly said it's remarkably rare. Kids dropping dead from the COVID shots isn't rare, but they don't think it's the COVID shots because they don't know. It's climate change, it's heat, it's weather events, and, you know, kids are, they have a lot of reserve, and then they just all of a sudden drop, and, you know, it's a terrible thing, but it's climate change. You can't have a rational conversation with that person. That person's retarded. They're brainwashed. It goes beyond indoctrination. They've been psychologically tortured, and they actually believe the words coming out of their mouth. But a mother also, to openly say, we worry about our kids at school, why in the hell do you send them? Who's the dummy now? And that kid was 12 years old. He was jabbed. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. But apparently, no one's saying anything about it. No one's even bringing up the shots. Not at all. You can't fix that. You can't fix that level of brainwashing. Those are individuals that will not survive. Those are people that won't make it. They won't make it. They will have lived their entire lives as a complete lie without having any ounce of truth in their world or in their whatever immediate sphere of influence. Not an ounce, even though it's all around them all the time, even right in front of their face. They still can't see it. They can't see it. Two more quick education stories. My God. The, la the last one, or the second to last one, again, I put this on the war video recently, uh, New York State. They're filling their schools with illegals. They're filling them to the brim with incoming illegals. They're not required to take any kind of a vaccination, which is fine because all vaccines are poison, but they're filling them with illegals. They're purposefully crushing New York schools. It's becoming more of a daycare, and now, of course, it's a daycare for illegal aliens. Again, I wrote a substack about it a year ago. A year ago. This is going to be a constant, massive problem, which leads me to this. This is from Breitbart. Poll 
satisfaction with U.S. K-12 education ties record low. No kidding. Only 36% of U.S. adults are satisfied with K-12 education quality in the United States, matching the record low in 2000, a new Gallup survey found. Yes, they've been tracking this for 24 years, it says. Gallup found that lower satisfaction from Republican and Republican-leading independents since Joe Biden became president excuse me, has driven the overall decline in ratings of the nation's K-12 education quality. Only 25% of GOP voters said that they are at least somewhat satisfied with U.S. education, which is the lowest percentage recorded for the group, five points lower than last year and roughly half of what it was in 2019 and 2020. Since the satisfaction of Republicans and Republican-leaning independents notably dropped 14 points between 2020 and 2021, from 49% to 35% when the coronavirus pandemic, and there was no pandemic, and resulting uh, school shutdowns across the nation took place. Uh, And then they bring up numerous examples, critical race theory, gender ideology, pornography, blah, 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 irreversible learning losses. And then they link a bunch of the videos of kids speaking at board meetings, talking about how terrible things are. You know, I know it's exhausting and I know I'm repetitive on the thing, but, but again, there is no other option other than the complete and utter collapse. It's already the butt of every joke. So what more proof do people need here? What more do they actually need? And speaking of what more proof do people need, let's work our way right into the jabs, shall we? Jimmy Buffett died, jabbed. Made everybody take the jabs to attend his concerts and take the fake tests. He and his band were jabbed. They took time off of their tour because they were constantly sick. He ended up in hospice, and they're blaming what? They're blaming it started off with skin cancer, and then it turned into a more aggressive cancer, and then he died in hospice. He was jabbed. Period. End of story. Former uh, New Mexico Governor Bill Richardson, jabbed, dead. They just keep, the bodies just keep stacking up here. People in the limelight, you know, again, yeah, they were in their 70s, mid-70s, and people would say, well, that's a long life, and yes, it certainly is. But they'd have lived longer had they not taken the shots. And of course, the entire media apparatus around them never brings up the shots. They're in on it. They're all in on it. Absolutely crazy. There's also this too, before I get into a few other things. I don't know if people have been hearing about this or or not. I know it's been making the rounds, but they're actually finding now that individuals who are taking not only these COVID shots, but any kind of shot going forward here, in particular boosters and, and other kinds of shots like shingles shots and whatever else, flu shots even, that the things that they're putting in these shots are causing human beings to have allergic reaction and and deadly reactions to red meat. That again, once they receive these injections, they've been a steak eater their whole life, and then they start eating steak, and then they start vomiting constantly, and they don't know why. This is the level of evil that people are not comprehending, that this is actually what these people are doing. These evil people in these industries, these pharmaceutical industries, pharmacia, They are creating poisons that are making humans allergic to the very things that sustain life, like food. And then what? They're gonna they're gonna chalk it up to, well, they lived a long life and they died suddenly, and 
you know, what a tragedy. What a, what a horrible accident. Or they'll just shrug their shoulders and say, well, young people are dying these days. They just, they just happen to be dying these days. Maybe it's climate change. It's, it's nauseating. Uh, again, it's, uh, it's next level. It's next level brainwashing. But that's a very real thing that is happening. Here's another one, Gateway Pundit. Federal court rules that FDA abused its authority with anti-ivermectin messaging to Americans. Quote, FDA is not a physician. No kidding. No kidding. Withholding any kind of treatment is absurd. And again, the FDA, with all their tweets that they put out back in 2021 and 2022, saying, you're not a horse. You're not a cow. Seriously, y'all. Seriously, y'all. Stop it. Stop taking ivermectin. It's horse paste. Give me a break. They killed copious amounts of people. It allowed for the emergency use authorization because they claimed that there weren't treatments. Then they pushed it through, even though Donald Trump said that there are endless treatments. Numerous people were saying there were endless treatments, but of course the media was keeping these people off of TV and off of their channels, including Fox News. Fox News went along with it also. So yeah, if you got jabbed and you were watching Fox News, you probably felt pretty good about yourself because, you know, Ainsley Earhart in the morning was telling everybody, you'll feel better if you get your jabs. Well, you're going to feel real dead. Uh, Again, more mask-related articles too, and endless mask-related articles are continuing to come out. Again, it's like the Twilight Zone. It's like deja vu in the Twilight Zone all over again. Here's a few more headlines real quick, and then I'm going to close this one out. This is from the expose. It's titled Jaw-Dropping Discovery. CDC data reveals COVID vaccine could shave off 24 years from men's lives. I'm not sure why it just singled out men in particular. I think it had something to do with a particular survey here. But of course, it says the damage to health caused by each vaccine dose does not lessen over time. It continues indefinitely. It says the CDC all-cause mortality data showed that each vaccine dose increased mortality by 7% in the year of 2022 compared to the mortality in the year of 2021. It says, so if you've had five doses, then you were 35% more likely to die in 2022 than you were in 2021. If you've had one dose, then you were 7% more likely to die in 2022 than you were in 2021. If you're unvaxxed, then you were no more, no more likely to die in 2022 than you were in 2021. And of course, it shows Cleveland Clinic data, which shows all the line graphs going up when it comes to increased death and increased dosages. Uh, yeah, it just, it continues. Here's one from Igor's newsletter on Substack by Igor Chudov, titled, Half of Vaccinated People never stop producing spike protein study finds. The study is titled Detection of Recombatant Spike Protein in the Blood of Individuals Vaccinated Against SARS-CoV-2 Possible Molecular Mechanisms. Again, I fully understand there's a lot of debate regarding whether or not people think it's actual spike protein or it's the lipid nanoparticle or if it's real mRNA or fake mRNA or whatever it is. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm just not in the camp that there were placebos anymore. I'm really not. There's, there's too many individuals who are experiencing too many symptoms 
associated with receiving the real deal. Now, it's possible, again, that they were all, of course, dangerous and they were all poisonous, but there are varying degrees of poison within those shots. So with some people, it's having a quicker effect, and with others, it's having a slower, more long-lasting effect. I, I don't think there's any doubting that. But when it comes to the sheer presence of placebos, I just don't buy it. I don't buy it. There's too much evidence that would indicate that there aren't placebos as opposed to there actually being placebos. All right, just to wrap up here very quickly, I'm continuing to update the COVID peer-reviewed article list that exists on my website. I have more articles to throw on there. So again, if you're interested in the updated list, bounce over there to the Medical Documents tab at AmericanEducationFM.com and check those out. Under the Medical Documents tab, there is also a lengthy cancer protocol that is brand new that is filled with websites on where to acquire, again, ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, fenbenzazole, and all kinds of other stuff, along with detox methods. But either way, there's a brand new uh, cancer protocol on there. It's in PDF. All of it's free. Feel free and download it and just have it at your disposal if you're interested. Um, yeah, it's under the cancer protocols section under the medical documents tab, but it's like the third one down. So you'll see three titles and they're all underlined. The third one down is the most recent, if you're interested. Okay. With that said, ladies and gentlemen, stay tuned for tomorrow afternoon. Uh, that's when I will throw up the episode with Robin McCutcheon. Again, we haven't had our conversation yet, but plenty to discuss, plenty to talk about. And yeah, other than that, have a great Labor Day. And I'll catch you on Tuesday with Dr. McCutcheon. Peace. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Make sure and check out AmericanEducationFM.com for more information. Take care and God bless.